Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Today I want to begin our show by giving you three what I think to be compelling reasons why we should solve hunger in Michigan. And the first one was alluded to in our first show with Jerry Brisson, the president and CEO of Gleaners Community Food Bank, when Jerry talked about the need for national security, uh, obesity, the unfitness to serve in the military is a great concern. In fact, there's been a, a report published entitled Too Fat to Fight where the Department of Defense estimates that 75% of all young Americans 17 to 24 years of age are unable to join the military because they failed to graduate from high school, they have criminal records, or they're physically unfit. That is, they're overweight, they're obese, and it turns out to be the leading medical reason why applicants fail to qualify for military service today. Otherwise, excellent recruits, some of them who have military service in their family history, are being turned away because they're just too overweight. That's one compelling reason why I think we should solve hunger in our state. It's a national security issue. The second reason is because I don't believe we can afford it. Hunger cost. The Pyramid Group estimates that hunger costs the entire economy $461.9 billion. And of that, Mazone breaks that out a little bit better, the Jewish response to hunger. The Mazone Foundation says that hunger cost our nation at least $167.5 billion due to the combination of lost productivity per year, more expensive education because of the rising cost of education, of poor education results, also because of the cost of charity in order to, to do the work of hunger. So I, I think we just simply cannot afford hunger in our state. The third reason I think that we should solve hunger is a moral reason. And we should do that because we can do it. It is possible. This is not something that's just an impossible task that, that, that can't be done is something that we can actually do. And, and if we looked at hunger the way people have looked at, let's say, slavery, then we, we, would, we, we wouldn't do it. We, wouldn't, we would not solve this. And it's solvable. Think about Edmund Burke, who said so many great things as a parliamentarian in the House of Commons. His, his passion in life, his mission was to abolish slavery out of the British Empire. And for 17 years, he introduced legislation to that effect before the House of Commons. And for 17 years, it was either not voted on or voted down. Finally, in the midst of this, after 17 years, Edmund Burke introduced legislation to abolish slavery in the entire British Empire, and it passed after 17 years. And when this happened, Edmund Burke said two things. The first thing I'm going to tell you, he said, you're all going to know. You're going to, you're going to know this quote. Because Edmund Burke is the person who said that all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And 
when you think about him introducing the legislation that led to the abolishment of slavery, a huge social, cultural problem, yet for 17 years, he was steadfast. And after that legislation passed, Edmund Burke said these words, and I think they're more profound than his first quote. Edmund Burke said, The biggest mistake anyone ever makes is when they choose to do nothing because they only think they can do a little. And I think that is a common mistake when we look at this big, huge problem of hunger. It's fueled by our acceptance to it as normal, by our benign passivity, or by our unbelief that it's unsolvable. But I simply do not accept that. And I don't think our colleagues, I don't think the general population, I don't think any of us, when we put our minds and hearts together and, and pull together to create food security across our state, would, would be, have any different results than what Edmund Burke did as he confronted this huge social problem. I'm convinced, folks, that hunger is not bigger than we are, Hunger is not better than we are, and hunger is not beyond us to solve. This is Dr. Phil Knight, and you're listening to Food for Thought. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Paula Cunningham, the CEO of AARP here in Michigan, to talk about the effects of food insecurity among our senior population. Thanks for listening. Come back and be with us. Welcome back to Food for Thought. Once again, here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. And in the studio with me, Mr. Jerry Brisson, who is the CEO and president of Gleaners Community Food Bank. And he's also the chairman of the Food Bank Council of Michigan Board, which makes him my boss. So Only Jerry, in so many ways, right? Yeah. Jerry, great to be here, Phil. That is great. Eric, to have you back on the show. Look, we want to dive right in here because we have Paula Cunningham, who is the CEO for uh, AARP here in Michigan. And Paula, uh, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for making time to be with us. And folks, if you don't know Paula, you really should because she is a philanthropist, a business leader, a community advocate, and a, a great friend and supporter of this mission to create food security across our state. But Paula, your emphasis is really about seniors uh, as the leader for AARP, and we know that food security has increased and gotten better generally, but it hasn't for seniors. Absolutely, that's that's very true. And first, just let me thank you for the work that you're doing to bring this food insecurity issue to the forefront, even in a more uh, profound way than it has been in the past. And you've been working tirelessly in that effort, and we all very much appreciate that. And even though it does impact, you know, different all parts of our our, our population in different segments in different ways, the food security issues for seniors. Um, it's exacerbated by a lot of a lot of different issues. One might be their immobility, their inability to have access to food because they're not driving. You know, they might be uh, at home, staying at home. Um, some of their 
illnesses also where they have mm. chronic heart disease and, and you know you know a heart failure or a diabetes uh, and needing more fresh foods uh, they just impact seniors in different ways absolutely well I know that you know uh, feeding America our national organization and AARP nationally are working together to create some in- some initiatives to address senior hunger and I know that this is passionate for you and and you've led some great efforts even during the Flint water crisis, you've been at the forefront working there. And I'm just wondering, uh, what are some of the thoughts that you have and, uh, and where we're going to go to help solve senior hunger across our state? Well, it, it, it's different. You know, it's very different. I'll tell you, when you talk about it and intellectually you study it and you know that it's an issue versus going door to door and talking to seniors and seeing the impact that food insecurity has on their lives, which uh, we were able to do firsthand in Flint. Um, not only were a lot of our seniors impacted by the water crisis, but their inability to have access to, to food. The ARP Foundation has uh, you know, put some dollars behind certain communities mm-hmm. uh, to help to help actually, it's called a Fresh Savings Program um, that the foundation has in, in terms of just trying to help bring more fruits and vegetables uh, into the homes of seniors to have them have more access. And they're showing that when the right types of programs are implemented, that it, it can make a difference. But um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much that continues, uh, that needs to be done in there. In our work here at Gleaners in Detroit, <clears throat> one of the things that we find that's actually quite uh, moving about seniors is no matter how hungry they are, they often feel someone else needs it more. And it's right. one of the things that just you, you, you go in. I, uh, one of the volunteers, actually, that came to Gleaners told us about going to his own grandmother's house, opening the cupboard, seeing there's no food, and saying, Grandma, there's no food here. And she's like, well, you know, don't worry about me. Somebody else needs this more. I, how much do you think that plays into just the issue of trying to reach seniors with food? Well, that's, I think that's just a, a cultural thing. We've all, well, you know, as seniors, and I am one, uh, we, we've always been taught to take care of our children. That's our responsibility. It's what we've seen modeled, role modeled for us. You know, as, as we were growing up, uh, I think all of us, to some degree, our parents want to make certain that their children were provided for. And, you know, there's some embarrassment attached to that if a child doesn't have any food. And uh, it, it's just it's just part of an innate in being a parent and being a mother or a father and Seniors uh, will want to make certain that their children are healthy, that they're learning. And we know children can't learn if they're hungry. And it's so hard for all of us to say we need help. I mean, it's one of the bigger things that we face at every level, but especially with seniors to say, you know, I could use a little help and it would matter for me, you know, if I if I have diabetes or heart disease or something. So we see this as such a critical issue. And no question, no question, and, and it does impact all parts of our our, our region, all parts of demographics, young, old. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You know, children are falling asleep in, in the classroom, or adult men are standing in line at a soup kitchen, or seniors are lined up at a local supermarket because the grocery store is giving away day-old bread. You know, we see it across the spectrum, and no one really wants that's not the kind of life they want to live. We know it's an issue, and we need to, you know, actually build a coalition to really help our policymakers and others look at hunger as a major health issue. Well, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it is one of the social determinants of health, of food insecurity is. And Paula, I know that the AARP Foundation has helped to create a resource guide and toolkit for people in the medical field as they're screening their patients for 
uh, food insecurity, particularly for seniors. Absolutely, and there is, there's lots of information about that on the AARP Foundation website, but uh, that is part of the commitment as well. You know, AARP doesn't, people often think of us as insurance and, uh, you know, discounts, but there is so much more depth and breadth to this phenomenal organization that uh, takes care of or tries to help uh, assist all aspects of a, a, a senior's life, and seniors are defined as 50 years old. So, you know, it's not it's not your 70 and 80-year-olds necessarily. And as you know, the, the older they get, the more challenging it is for uh, older adults particularly to have access to the type of food and nutrition that they need. Well, Paula, we have about 30 seconds left in this uh, segment. And what I, I realize that one in five adults that's, uh, that's over 50 struggle with food insecurity. And I have to thank you for leading efforts in Michigan to help create food security among our senior population. Well, we appreciate that and very much appreciate the work that you're doing, getting fresh fruits and vegetables in Detroit and other parts as well. And again, there's more people than you know suffer from this. So those who are listening, we hope that they will all join forces and do what we can to help. And thank you so much for the work that you are doing. Thanks, Jerry and Lori as well. Now, it's our pleasure. Thank you. That's Paula Cunningham. She's the CEO for AARP here in Michigan. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry Brisson's with me, and we'll be right back on Food for Thought. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry Brisson, my co-host here, is with me. He is the CEO and president of Gleaners Community Food Bank. And today we have with us in this segment, Lori Solotoro, who is a senior program officer at the Michigan Health Endowment Fund. And Lori, you guys are doing some great work addressing senior hunger across our state. Could you tell us about it? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Phil. So, so um, a couple areas of focus of the Michigan Health Endowment Fund. We we um, fund primarily uh, in the interest of seniors and children within our state. And one of our proactive funding areas is nutrition and healthy lifestyles. So, pinpointing your um, comment about seniors and hunger, there is um, a, a great need out there, and um, the fact that uh, some seniors are are being under served in terms of food access and food security is something that is of utmost importance to us, not only in, you know, some of the funding decisions we make, but also as we think long-term how to, how to minimize that situation in our state. So um, lucky for us, our state has an extraordinary network of senior service providers. And, um, you know, just a, a kind of a fun fact, um, those providers provided more than 10 million meals last year alone, So, which is wonderful. But but even wow. with all that work, there are still um, quite a few people in the thousands who are on waiting lists for critical programs like Meals on Wheels. So because we're a statewide funder and because, um, you know, we have that priority both on nutrition, uh, food access, and, and older adults, um, we, we really think about that as we formulate our programs and, and um, uh, you know, work to, to uh, form partnerships with these organizations who are doing great work throughout the state. Wow, that's awesome. So I know, Lori, that, that uh, from our previous conversations that 
uh, food insecurity has dropped overall. And we talked with Paula Cunningham in the previous segment, the CEO for AARP, but it hasn't dropped for older adults. And, you know, obviously we're concerned about that. And with our new emphasis on data and how we're able to to see these trends, it's going to help us be able to address the need now that we understand where the need is at. So how do you think that this is going to affect um, the priorities of, 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 obviously, the Michigan Health Endowment Fund? But I wonder if you have any insight about if you saw that as a trend going across other giving organizations in the state. I, I guess I'm, I'm asking how interested, what's the temperature about food security for seniors uh, across the state that you guys are seeing? So, so that's um, you, you teed um, my next comment up beautifully, Phil. Thank you so much. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, we're a statewide funder, and um, you know, so we we as we as we um, came to be and as we grew, what we did is um, partnered with an organization and conducted a scan um, of the top forty health funders in Michigan um, around you know. N- numbers of, of, you know, areas of focus and priority areas where, where a lot of the funding was going in our state. And shockingly, at least it was shocking to us, we found that only 3%, and that's the number three, 3% of those philanthropic dollars went specifically towards senior services and programs. So that was really, really surprising to us. And so as we think about, you know, our funding priorities, I think one of the things, as you mentioned, Phil, it doesn't seem to be, you know, the things that have been done from a food access perspective haven't really moved the needle. I think one of the reasons for that, I'm not sure if Paula mentioned it in her segment, but, you know, Michigan is aging. We're the 10th oldest oldest state um, in the nation, and by, wow. by the year 20... I didn't know that. Yeah, but... By the year 2030, um, 25% of our residents will be 65 or older. So, so this is something I think that it'll be an uphill battle for us. But one of the things in terms of our our funding priorities and the and the areas we're looking to to support, um, as I mentioned, we've had a number of conversations with with numerous organizations to really help us better understand the needs and the challenges around um, food access and food in general, but specifically for those. You you know, who we would categorize as older adults or seniors. And so um, we're looking to kind of understand, you know, what are some of those root causes of senior hunger? Is it, you know, lack of availability? Is it, uh, you know, not too many affordable options for these folks? Is it transportation or social, social isolation? And so I think one of the things that was an aha for us is that not a, not we don't always think about social social isolation isolation and rather as as a as a uh, a reason for senior hunger, but it's a very significant factor because if people are homebound, they don't have access to transportation or other services, they don't have that food readily available. So one of the programs we just funded that we thought were was extremely innovative, it's a pilot um, through Henry Ford Health System, and it's an initiative to look at more innovative ways to address social isolation using postal workers, so a partnership with the uh, U.S. Postal Service, such that they can check on older adults, help them get connected to services they may need, like Meals on Wheels or support from a food bank. And we're really excited to see this pilot launched. It worked well in, in England, 
and um, Henry Ford is looking to uh, to see whether or not that can be, you know, that can help address some of that so- social isolation piece there you go. here in Metro Detroit. Awesome. You know, I like it that you're talking about Henry Ford Health Systems and healthcare in general, because at, at Gleaners, we, we believe, too, that the way to reach seniors, or we're coming to believe this more, is be where they are, you know, and... and even socially isolated seniors have to find a way to get to the doctor and occasionally to the hospital. And and so how do you find yourself where they are so that you can get them those critical things that they need? And then, of course, how do they get it home? Right. right. I mean, you know, and these are some of the things that hospitals are already having to deal with. And, and if they already have to solve the problem, they're smart people. So partnering with hospitals is, I think, one of the keys to, to solving this. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jerry, because if you think about who do these folks generally place their trust in, they trust the recognizable individual who delivers their mail every day. They trust, you know, their local health care provider, whether it's a hospital, as you said, Jerry, or even their, their physicians. So, so meet them where they're at and, and align ourselves with people that they trust. And when we started the, uh, talking about these things, one of the things we said is there is hope. There are answers. There are solutions solutions. And this is a concrete example of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It is. It absolutely is. And that's that's where I think pulling off of our first show on Food for Thought, where we introduced the idea of bringing data into our, uh, our process and to our work so that we know exactly where they're at. And the mapping project that we're doing with Grand Valley State University and Dr. Steve Borders, all of this is going to help us and this information that it brings to us is going to lead us to innovation. We've got about two minutes left in the segment here, Lori, and I want to make sure that we're covering exactly what the Michigan Health Endowment Fund is able to do for seniors who are struggling with food insecurity. Well, I think I think um, the the opportunities for that Phil are really limitless. There are so many um, opportunities for partnerships and support of good work in the state that we, quite frankly, are just incredibly excited about seeking out and and being able to to help in some way. Um, as we think about uh, you know what what folks need in the state regarding food security, I, I would say you know unequivocally. That, that older adults and, and seniors in the state are, are always top of mind for us. It's very easy to, to think about children in the sense of food access and food security. You know, we see billboards up around the state, you know, uh, one in five children goes to bed hungry every night, and that's, those are alarming and very unsettling statistics. But at the same time, I think we could easily say that about older adults in, in our state. So from a, from a funding perspective and from a partnership perspective, we are so, we have a, a, a very, um, we have a two proactive funding areas, healthy aging, and then also nutrition and healthy lifestyles that um, are really hopefully um, in our, for our part, going to facilitate a lot of that good work that's happening in the state. And, you know, whether it's just expanding um, services that are already working, you know, I mentioned in, in the beginning of our segment about, you know, the wait list for critical programs like right, Meals right. on Wheels, and um, also supporting um, uh, initiatives that Jerry spoke about just a moment ago with meeting seniors 
seniors where they're at, helping, you know, helping to better understand what is it they need from their community and from those around them. And, and I think that's one, one of the major things that we're, we're extremely excited about um, as we move forward with our funding efforts. If you would like more information um, about the type of projects we have funded, or more importantly, our future funding priorities, you can visit the Michigan Health Endowment Fund's website at www.mhealthfund.com. Dot com. There's uh, quite a bit of information around the grant, our grant cycles, our grant requirements, and the types of uh, funding we're looking to do in the future. Lori Solotoro, she's a senior program officer for the Michigan Health Endowment Fund. Lori, thanks for being on Food for Thought with us today, and thanks for all of the work, the great work of the Michigan Health Endowment Fund. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk about this very, very, very important topic. Great. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. You're listening to Food for Thought on WJR. Come back and be with us. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry, um, I think we have to kind of set the table here, and we know that about 16% of the people who live in Michigan are food insecure. That's across all sections, across all counties, geographical, every people group, about 16%. We know a little over 20% of uh, of children in the state are food insecure. That works out to be about one in five. Ironically, that's the same ratio as it is with senior hunger that Paula Cunningham was talking about from AARP. So with that as a, I guess, as a, the table is set there, I'd like to get your thoughts and your reactions. You know, uh, I think we're a lot smarter about these numbers. Even the fact that you can rattle off some statistics about who's hungry is a significant change over what it was when I started in this work 30 years ago. So we know a lot more about who's hungry. And we have help from the National Food Bank, Feeding America, who mm-hmm. really you know, does good research. And, and actually now every county in Michigan is mapped with an estimate of how many people are food insecure, don't know if they're going to have enough meals uh, all the time, right? They're they're reporting that they don't get enough meals every right. day. So so what we know about the five counties we serve with our good partner, Forgotten Harvest, who does awesome work as well, is that between the two of us, we meet about half the need. There's 700,000 wow. people who are food insecure in in the five counties of Southeast Michigan. And, and between the people we see and what we can give them, we meet about half the need to Now, that's something to celebrate on one hand. We're meeting half the need. On the other hand, we're meeting meeting half half the need. need. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So so the innovations that that we we discussed earlier in terms of how do you reach seniors and how do you reach children, that's what we have to continue to develop so we have better ideas for that next half. So we're doing a food security analysis across the state from the Food Bank Council of Michigan. I think your example of your service area in the five counties is a great example. I would just jump in here to say that my gut tells me we're probably doing that across the state. 
doing what? Meeting half the need. In every community, and that's surprising to people, because most people like to peg the problem in an area. Like, this is a problem for the urban centers in the state. Right. But in fact, rural poverty it's, is a tough challenge. It's it hard to get hard to challenge. people, and and a lot of the social systems that might be in place in urban areas just aren't in place in rural areas. So there's a lot to, to, to consider when you start looking at that next half. Well, both of those issues, urban and rural, have uh, access challenges, but those access challenges are defined differently and are going to be solved differently and going to be solved differently exactly so having the support of AARP and the Michigan Health Endowment Fund is going to be critical in this and and they're supporting uh, not just what we're doing today but innovative ideas for how we can get to that next half. well exactly and we're going to do an entire show in a few weeks about innovative ideas that we're launching to try to scale to meet this need but you know, when we talk about the meal gap, you used that term a minute ago. I, I think you might, for me at least, unpack that a little bit. Yeah, so we know that um, different people are in different circumstances and really do have quite different needs depending on their employment situation and, and uh, how many people are living in their household and all that, those sorts of things. But on average, a food insecure person is missing three and a half meals a week. That's the average. So that's just over a day a week that they're not eating. Hmm. Now, those days kind of bunch up at the end of their of their month, usually. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, with the fixed costs they have to pay, whether that's rent or transportation or child care or whatever their costs that they have no control over, the only thing they really have left at the end of the month is their utilities and their food. That's right. really what people have to play with. And that's why when you get a flat tire and it costs you 10 bucks, well, what are you going to do? You're going to eat less, and the meal gap comes from that. Hmm. Primarily, it's something that's changed. It might be a small thing on average, but when you're not quite making ends meet, those small things mean not enough food. That's right. really how it works out the majority of time. And I, I like the point, too, that you make, because I think this is true, because I, like I say it like this. People end up with more month than they do money. And those, that day a week or so, three and a half meals that they're missing that ends up in a, a completes a day, they kind of all take come together in the last 10 days of the month. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. So now missing a day a week doesn't sound so bad. Missing 10 in a row, that's something else. Yeah, and how does that affect the rest of your life? I mean, the, the, the stress level that happens when you are in that situation is enormous. Yeah. Uh, not just the, the actual physical feeling of being hungry all the time, but the guilt, the, the sense of failure, the other things that compound as you miss more and more days of food because you're just not getting it together. So it's a tough situation, and, and I think the other part of that is it's solvable and it's not so expensive to solve that we can't figure this out. No, it's, it's true. You, you, I've heard you say before, what's cheaper than money, and for us it's food. Right, indeed. And we have access to lots of different kinds of food, and it's a matter of now let's identify who this next half is and how to get the food to them. That'll give us a cost, and then we'll go get the people that win when this is solved, and that's how you're going to get this done. I, I, and I do. I, but I do think the point, as we close out this segment here, uh, 
needs to be made that if you're meeting half the need, that's something to be celebrated. It's something to be celebrated, but it also presents a challenge and it's going to be very difficult to scale charity to meet the second half of this need. It's not going to be all charity. This is going to take different innovative ideas about who wins, who actually does better from a business perspective when this is solved. So if education wins, we all know education wins when hunger is solved. We know healthcare wins when hunger is solved. We know businesses win when their employees don't come to work hungry. We've got to take that to the next level and say, this is how much you win when you solve this problem. I think we can do it and we'll do it together. Dr. Phil Knight here on Food for Thought with Jerry Brisson, the CEO of Gleaners Community Food Bank. You're listening to Food for Thought on WJR, and we'll be right back. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry, I got to tell you, Jerry Brisson, the CEO and president of Gleaners Community Food Bank, the two ladies that we had on, Paula Cunningham and Lori Solotoro, I'm going to do a very dangerous thing here. I'm going to ask you exactly what you think, because I know it, I know that you're going to be able to Uh, pull some gems out of what those ladies shared with us about the dangers of senior hunger across our state. Yeah. You know what I think first is there's people out there who are really smart, who have resources, who care, who are bringing other people together, who are really smart, who have resources, who care, who know Mm -hmm. that it's in their best interest to solve this problem. And we're not talking about, you know, your your average nonprofit here. We're talking about thought leaders who are working across the spectrum, right? right? They're working with businesses. They're working with hospitals and health systems. They're working with I mean, obviously, people who can and want to and know they need to fix this problem. So that as a backdrop says to me, that's why we can do this. And that's what I think about what they said. Yeah. I thought it was really encouraging, inspiring even, to talk about all these systems that it's almost just like we need a, a, a conductor to bring these systems together and we can accomplish this goal. And I think that's really one of the reasons we're doing this show on WJR, Food for Thought. So find that place where these people are great at what they're doing. Let's get in there and get them to do that with the people that we're serving. Well, and you're a great conductor, Phil, if I can throw that into the show. I mean, the Food Bank Council of Michigan, which is the statewide organization responsible for keeping a finger on what's going on in this area, that's what you run. That's the work you're about. And as the chair of the board and on behalf of the other food banks working with you on this, we're proud of you and real happy to support you in what you're doing to to be the conductor. Well, thank you. That's I said I was going to ask you what you thought. I didn't know I was, uh, it was going to be that dangerous, but I, <laughs> I appreciate your kind thoughts there. But I, I do think after listening to Lori and listening to Paula and listening to your thoughts, I, this is doable. And not just for seniors and not just for children like we talked about in our first week's show, but it's really 
it's really doable to solve this hunger problem, create food security for everyone across our state, whether they're seniors or children and everyone in between. Yeah, we can't afford not to, right? And we're going to hear this over and see it over and repeat this over because fundamentally it's a cheap problem to solve and an expensive problem to live with. Yeah, you're exactly right. The economic impacts are, are as we talked about in the monologue, are dev- it's t- staggering the amount of money that we're spending on not solving hunger, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, I, I don't think we can afford it economically, but I don't think as a nation, and we, we talk about our security, I, I don't think we can afford that either. Absolutely right. I, and that's why we're so passionate about this work. That's why we keep at it and why we know you people listening, you're going to be with us because it doesn't take much to get to that place. Once you see what people are capable of doing, you just say, OK, let's do that then. Yeah, it's doable. And I think that's what we want to do in this show is we want to change that conversation. We, wanna, we, wanna, we want us to talk about what's possible. So uh, great having you on the show. Thanks so much. Jerry Brisson, the CEO and president of Gleaners Community Food Bank, a thought leader in this industry nationwide. Thank you, Jerry. It's my pleasure, Phil. Great. So, folks, uh, I, I want to I give you some food for thought here, and uh, I'll stretch it all the way back to my monologue in the opening of the, uh, the show here and just, just share with you that as I travel across the state, as I work with these seven leaders of the uh, regional food banks across the state, as I listen to folks like Lori Solatoro and Paula Cunningham from AARP and Michigan Health Endowment Fund, I'm inspired, I'm encouraged, and I'm excited. And I'm convinced more than ever before that hunger is not bigger than we are, hunger is not better than we are, and hunger is not beyond us to solve but we'll need you to come alongside of us too. This is Dr. Phil Knight. You've been listening to Food for Thought with Jerry Brisson and myself, heard only on WJR. Thanks, and don't forget to tune in next week. Food for Thought has been presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.